Join Ian Garvey as we uncover the hidden marketing stories that shape our world. Reveal the latest marketing tactics that will shape your future and the amazing people that grow organizations, movements, and businesses. Learn to grow your business and shape the world around you. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian, not Ian. That's marketing too. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show. Ian Garlic here. And today we are going to talk about some success stories, about what's working right now in ads when people don't believe it. Um, what is how you can really change your outlook on things that you don't think it's working, how you change content. And speaking of change, we'll talk, the person I'm going to talk to, Rich Brooks, today is the leader of the Agents of Change podcast. We'll talk about that as well. Rich, thanks so much for being on the Garlic Marketing Show. I am. I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be great. And especially now that I know you love my home city of Portland, Maine. We love it there. My buddy Nick, client, is is there. And it's amazing food and amazing people. And no one else should go there. <laughs> no more people. We have enough. Um, Send us your lobster. Um, of course, this is brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com. One of the best ways to improve all of your campaigns, improve your business, is through your client's stories. Learn 50 ways to improve your sales, marketing, and operations using video case stories at VideoCaseStory.com. All right, Rich. So um, you are Flight New Media. You've an agency for 25 years. Uh, before we get into your success stories, 25 years, you've seen a big change in media, haven't you? <laughs> um, and I'm just shy of 25. I don't want to be bragging that's something that's not. But uh, yeah, so in May of this year, 2022, we'll, we'll officially turn 25. But we're already ramping up. We're already coming up with our ideas for how to celebrate 25 years in business. But yeah, 100%, things have changed. I mean, we're older than Google. You know, there was no Facebook when I started. There was no social media when I started. Uh, if there was a video on a website, it was smaller than a postage stamp, and it still took all day to download. So it was a completely different situation when I first started uh, compared to where we are now. And I never thought, to be honest, that I was going to be, you know, 25 years later running an agency. I figured within a year or two, either designers would learn how to program or programmers would learn how to design and I'd be out of a job. It didn't dawn on me. I could just hire those people. We could work together, which is ultimately what happened. I, I you know, I, I think that's a big, big thing to talk about because I think a lot of us, you know, I've had Marty McDonald, Bad Rhino, social media marketing agency on, um, and we talk about this a lot, is that when we started, we thought that developers would become website designers and it would all kind of come down to maybe one person and it would all be in-house and you have the social media, and it didn't go that way, did it? <laughs> no, I think it went the exact opposite way, where even in something as segmented as search engine optimization, there's like 27 different jobs you might have just under that one umbrella. So there's always room for more people. And when people tell me they want to get into digital marketing or into digital, I, I need more information. I'm like, are you a creative? Are you a designer? Do you want to do video? Like there's almost anything you want to do. You could get a job under the umbrella of digital. It just depends where you want to go with it. Exactly. And I, yeah, I, I think the same thing too. It's like, and then I hear people, you know, you see the one man shop that's doing, and no offense to solopreneurs and, and freelancers, but I see that and I'm like, how can you even think about that you can do everything for one person? 
I think maybe because I talk to so many people like you and then I get the nuance of everything that people do. And I'm like, I don't think I can do anything anymore. (laughs) I definitely have let all my skills atrophy and I can barely manage a WordPress website at this point. I mean, I just, as soon as I learn something and I realize I can give it off in the last few years, I've really worked on my delegation skills and it has made my life so much better. And, you know, you say that and, uh, you, uh, we didn't talk about this, but it's it's an interesting conversation because I think that that's probably the one of the biggest ways that people can succeed in digital marketing, especially businesses, is learning to delegate. Uh, do you feel the same way? A hundred percent. I think you should really focus on what you do well as a company, but also what you do well as an individual. And over the years, I've done almost every single job here at Flight, but I would say that with very few exceptions, I've since hired somebody who does that so much better than I do. Um, first of all, like I've just never been all that organized. I'm definitely one of those big picture thinkers, and I'm always excited about the next thing coming down. One of the best things that ever happened to me was my project manager was like, I want to take on more responsibility. I've been here for like 10, 12 years. You know, give me something more. And around the same time, somebody gave me the book Rocket Fuel, which is written by the same guy who does traction. It sounds like you're familiar with this. I, well, I was talking to Gino this morning, so. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, man. Okay. Uh, that's awesome. So it was given to me, and I read it, and I'm like, oh, my God. Except for the fact that I can't stand calling myself a visionary, I literally am this character. And the woman who was looking for more responsibility on my team, I'm like, she is the integrator. I gave her the book. She finished it over the weekend, marked it all up, and I'm like, so classic, because I skimmed most of the book and didn't read the last two chapters, because they weren't for me, and I'm like, all right, you're going to become my director of operations, and the minute that became official, I can't even, I can't even explain the, the relief, and how light I felt, because I had already been burdening her with so much of the day-to-day stuff of running the business, but not with any sort of official feel to it, so I felt bad when I said, can you just talk to her, you know, can you just handle this HR issue? Can you just send an email off to that, you know, all of a sudden when that was her role, I just was like, now I can focus on the things that I do best, which are around content creation and sales and getting up on stage, things I love to do that don't feel like work. And I know that when I focus on those, I always bring in more business to the company. And she's now doing all the stuff that for her doesn't feel like work either. I might be putting words in her mouth, but that just comes so naturally to her. And the company is running so much smoother than when I was, quote unquote, in charge. I didn't mean to go down a whole EOS rabbit hole, but I think this is a great, a great story because, you know, we were talking about this morning and, and how important it is to figure that stuff out. And I think that's important for a business to figure it out too, because I think, don't get me wrong. You know, I think even marketers think that they should be doing their own, all their own marketing and don't want to delegate those things that even that they don't really like. Right. I mean, do you do that inside of your, did you do that in your agency? I still do that. I mean, it's a constant battle. Like I was coming home last night and I started thinking about some new social posts that we should really be doing. And I'm like, but you know what, Rich, it's not your job to do the social posts anymore. And so you might suggest an idea at the next meeting where we're talking about the content calendar. But after that, it's, it's really not on you and it shouldn't be on you. Like this is not your job anymore. And one of the most important things is it's not just that you're getting things off your desk. It's not just that you're making your life easier because whenever we make our lives easier, at least for me, I just find there's new, different, sometimes more interesting challenges. 
but it's also empowering your team. And when you start giving young people, I say that, uh, I say that, but I mean it, like young people more responsibility, uh, certainly some of them will struggle with it, but a lot of them all of a sudden step up and they're like, what else can I be doing? And they gain this level of confidence. And I look at some of the people on my team who have been with me three to five years who started off and maybe they were really green at the beginning and just the level of confidence I see in them now. It's, you know, I know you talked a little bit about what are some of your successes. Well, I honestly think that that's one of the best successes in my company right now is just this idea of taking people who are a little bit green, had some talent, but, you know, it was kind of raw and just letting them explore what they were capable of, giving them some guidance and some feedback, but really letting them uh, ultimately decide how are we going to get from point A to point B. And the speed at which a lot of people stepped up into that role has been amazing. And I only wish that I had the comfort in my own ability to delegate earlier on because I can only imagine what the company would be like today if I felt as comfortable giving people um, the opportunity to, for autonomy uh, then that I do now because we, we would just have a company probably three times the size if I wanted a company that large. <laughs> and there's a lot to unpack there like if you want a company that large but also you know, I think there's there's two sides to this because I agree with you, the finding green people. You know, I, I one of my favorite stories, I got, I got to meet uh, Bob Gurr, who created the monorail. And he talks about Walt finding him and him just being a graphic designer and Walt just believing him. He's like, all right, go make this thing. He's like, go make the monorail and go make the, I want a roller coaster that's inside. And so Bob Gurr invented the roller, you know, the, the first indoor uh, on rails roller coaster. <laughs> it's like in believing in people, but I also feel that like, I see this in social media a lot and, and, you know, and online marketing is that people go, okay, I'm going to get this young person because they're young, they can do social media and just put them out there and be like, go do it. How do you find that balance? I wouldn't probably just say to somebody, go do it. Um, and the people who are now entrusted with my social media, they they still have a, um, a, uh, a manager above them, somebody who reports to me. So there's definitely accountability. And whenever there's a question on things, you know, things come up. And some, I, I'm really concerned about the voice of my company because for the first probably 1,500 blog posts, I wrote like 99% of them. So I've always been a writer. It's always been my voice in the company. And one of the toughest things about delegation was sharing that voice, sharing that spotlight. But we still have to have a corporate voice or a brand voice um, and so a few things have come up and sometimes they're not always what I would consider to be on brand. And um, so there was a, you all, everybody probably knows the distracted boyfriend meme. Yes. You know, it's like the one guy who turns around, he's looking at the, checking out this other girl. I have always looked at this graphic as something that is very funny and almost anti-man, like just showing how stupid we can be. But I do know that a lot of people feel that this objectifies women. And, and I only found out by making the mistake myself, I put it into a presentation and somebody came up to me afterwards and talked to me about it. And I'm like, okay, you know, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but I have a team uh, of that do social media and the two women, actually there were three women working at the time and they use that meme and somebody I know reached out to me privately and said, I really think you can be doing better. And I explained that it's actually, I'm not doing it. And it was a team of women and they didn't have a problem with it, but 
it is what it is. And so we had a discussion around it. It's like, yes, we can do this, but let's find a more clever meme. Like, you know, if this is a little bit controversial, not controversial, controversy is fine. If this is off brand for us, that's one thing. But we do do, we do double entendres occasionally here at Flight. We were just talking about an old presentation of mine on mobile marketing called How to Get Into Your Customer's Pants because we had a picture of uh, a woman with with the cell phone in her pocket. And yes, it's a play on words, and I'm sure I did offend a few people. It was a little bit easier back then. Um, but having these ongoing conversations, getting back to your question, having these ongoing conversations so that people kind of know where the signposts are, what you should be able to do within brand and what you shouldn't be able to do within brand and not having to come to me every single time. Will mistakes be made? Of course they will. And as long as they're made with the best of intentions, then I'm not too worried about it. And we'll just keep on moving on and continue to better off our communication with who's ever listening. All right, that's fantastic. And I think, you know, it's an important thing there versus it's guiding versus in delegating versus just going, hey, go do it and expecting them to be an expert and whatever happens, happens. I'll also say that for me, organic social, uh, I don't want to paint with too broad a term, is not my favorite area to focus on anyways from an agency standpoint. We do a little in it. Uh, we do it certainly for ourselves and our brands, but we're more on the paid side and we're more on the SEO and design and branding side. So when these young people did join the team as junior marketers, we set them through some training. So we paid for them to take SEO courses and we paid and we have ongoing memberships and a lot of social media things that train up in certain skills and certain tools and doing the paid ads. We're investing in them and I'm constantly giving feedback uh, to one young man who is writing a lot of the uh, stuff for my podcast in terms of the social posts and I give him feedback and I tell him why I'm changing things so I can teach him my voice. So far, it would have been quicker for me just to do it, but I'm investing in him and my freedom to go on and do other things at some point. And I love that. I love that. And I think that's an important thing. And coming back to like, if you're a person that isn't like, Richard has, I mean, 25 years of marketing uh, you've, you've learned a few things and now you're at the point where, you know, you can coach people, but I think this is a big thing for people that aren't marketers to think that I don't think you should go out. It's, it's like, if you're not a driver, don't go teach someone how to drive, right? If you're, if you're not a lawyer, don't go, Oh, I'm going to show you how to do your divorce. Uh, <laughs> but I think people think because they've seen marketing that they are a marketer, but you, you can coach these people in a right way. Um, and I think that's an important distinction to make. I think there's also teaching people how to think or approach a subject, uh, which I think I'm pretty good at, versus specifically how to optimize your Google Ads, which I'm not good at. Like, I conceptually understand how to do almost everything my team does, but when it comes to something that's very skill-based, I'm more than happy to spend the money to get the tool, the training, whatever it takes to get my team to be A players. That's different than me kind of coaching them on... Uh, one of my specialties is working with clients, especially when things aren't going well. So I talk to my team about how do you talk to a client when they're not happy? And of course, every one of our clients is happy all the time. I'm just saying this as an example. Uh, but, you know, talking to my team about how do you talk to clients? How do you educate them? How do you bring them around to the, your way of thinking? But also, how do you listen to them? Those are things that I'm, I think I'm pretty good at. I've heard I'm good at. So I talk to my team about those things, and then I'm more than happy to buy the books, courses, memberships, what have you, to teach the individual skills 
that are required for their job or occupation. Love it. And yeah, I, th- I think that, I mean, that's amazing. A, that you're coaching them on when clients aren't happy. I, I, I can't imagine that you have marketing clients that aren't happy all the time. <laughs> right. Our clients are wonderful and they never complain. Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's getting tougher and tougher because also there's so many people that aren't good marketers selling, overselling what marketing can do, overselling it. So then people get upset because they're seeing, well, I see these results. And I'm like, well, anyone can make a VSL with some fake fake results, right? <laughs> right, right. I mean, this is the ongoing thing. We're competing with people who maybe aren't always the most honest or reputable people out there, but it's hard to know because they have splashy graphics and they're free uh, reports that you can download. Or, I mean, no offense to younger people, but some of them are saying they're leaders of these companies and they're younger than your agency. <laughs> And um, and I think there's a lot to be said with experience in this and understanding people, understanding businesses. But then you do have to learn. Like you said, you have to learn in different places. And, you know, one of the ways I learn is just like I interview people like yourself and and I want to find out what's working and hear their stories, which we still haven't gotten to your success stories. But before we do, how are you finding what what educational material really works for training your team? A lot of times it comes down to my personal connections for with people who are doing it. Like um, I spent a, this is this coming up here will be the first year I'm not going out to San Diego for social media marketing world, but connecting to that community has given me the opportunity of finding a lot of experts in the field. And then also through my own podcast, I found people because I'm a generalist. I know a little bit about everything. Um, where you know you you I'm sure you've interviewed people like who are Facebook ad experts or you know. Instagram Reels experts, you know, and the niche is just getting more and more narrow. And a lot of times, the, for me, it comes down to, are they explaining it to me in a coherent way? And if I can understand what they're saying, then the, and if they have a course, then probably that's a pretty good course. But somebody who goes out and starts talking about their course, but they can't explain to me why things are the way they are, I'm not going to be interested in that course. So usually what we'll do is if I find somebody I like and they've got a class and we have a need for that class, we'll get a membership for that class. And then we see, is this actually a good fit? And if it is, we just keep on renewing for every employee that comes through the door. And if not, we we find a better service out there. And some of these people end up shutting down their courses, then we are obligated to go find a new way to do it. Because things like Facebook ads change every 15 minutes, so you have to have the most up-to-date information. Yeah, I mean, PPC... Facebook ads, SEO, it's just, it's, you know, it's the scariest thing for me when, you know, and that's why I like working with partners so they can do it. Because uh, <laughs> you wake right. up in the morning, you're like, is today the day that Google changed everything? <laughs> right. Which is also why it's very dangerous to be in any one niche, because if you're in Facebook ads and suddenly Facebook says, we're going to make all the ads just automated so that you don't have to do anything but give us money, well, then there's going to be a whole lot of Facebook ad experts out of work. So you have to make sure that you're playing in multiple fields if you want you keep your agents. Yeah, or Apple says, hey, we're not giving Facebook our pixel data anymore. (laughs) Uh, Me too. So true. I, I talk to people all the time because I was in an agency group and everyone's freaking out about Facebook ads. They're like, what are you going to do about it? I'm like, I'm going to get better at content. 
and look at where's the opportunity here because it's it's you know when the it's same thing with stock market right when everyone's freaking out that's the best time to find opportunities um it, it's awesome and so I, I will get into your PPC story, but since you brought up change, tell me about the agents of change podcast. When did you start it and what's the theme behind it? So we're up to episode 420. The first hundred episodes were actually under the brand, the marketing agents. Um, but then I realized I had a podcast called the marketing agents and a conference called the agents of change. And they literally were doing the same thing. So I just decided I was going to go with agents of change because it just sounded cooler behind the agents of change, where if you go to the website, you can see our three agents of change. One represents search, another social, another one mobile. But I had this whole superhero international spy thing in my head. And this guy, uh, uh, Josh Fisher does great graphics. He does a lot for Chris Brogan and I knew him cause he lived in Portland, Maine at the time. And so I reached out to him and he did up these awesome graphics for me. Uh, but the whole idea is just th that things are changing all the time and agents of change could be the channels we're talking about, or it could be the people we're talking to, or it could be the listener because you're an agent of change. And I just love the idea of the, that things are changing very quickly. And the more you're able to kind of navigate that change, the more successful you're going to be. So whether you're an owner, whether you're a marketer, these are the things that are going on. I want to give you good advice. I want to give you strategies and tactics so that you can go on and succeed. So Agents of Change or AOC is very much an aspirational brand. It's a do-it-yourself brand. I'm going to show you, I'm going to pull in all these experts and give you the tools you need so that you can succeed. Where on the other hand, the flight new media side of things is we're still educational, but it's done for you. You're going to come to us because your marketing team isn't big enough to handle all the work that they've been given, or maybe they don't have the depth uh, or whatever it may be, or you just want to focus on other parts of the marketing and you want us to run your paid search or your SEO. And that's how that works. So the two work well together. They're in alignment, but they are different in the fact that the agents of change is more the do it yourself. Love it. Love it. And what, what's been the biggest benefit to you of running your podcast? It's, oh, I don't know if there's just one, but I would say that a couple things that come to mind are one is it has been a lead generation tool for us. And even though it hasn't been a lot of different companies, the ones that we have gotten through the podcast and also through the conference tend to be a lot bigger. And they're not people who have ever heard of us before. And in my best success story when it comes to the agents of change is I was probably somewhere between 50 and 100 episodes in. I was actually thinking about whether or not I should take on sponsors. And I was looking at the numbers. John Lee Dumas was like a rising star at this point, And he had just put out his numbers on what everybody should be charging. And I looked at them and looked at my listenership. And I'm like, man, if I do a commercial for 30 seconds at the beginning, 60 seconds in the middle, and another 30 seconds at the end, I'll make $200 a month. And I'm like, that is just not worth it. Like, it's just, it's not even worth the time and effort. And I was trying to figure out what to do. And all of a sudden, this guy tweets out an episode of mine and says, I really need help with this. And it was an episode about conversion rate optimization. And so I tweeted him back and we took it to DM. We took it to email. We got on the phone and he ended up leaving the agency that he was frustrated with. He was, he was like literally taking our episodes and going to his agency and be like, can you do this for me? Uh, we ended up getting him. That was about seven years ago. And he's given us a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of business to date. And when I think about that, it was all because of just putting out that podcast. Now, again, an important lesson here is I was 50 to 100 episodes in at that point. 
too many marketers and too many businesses think that it's like, oh, I'll just do a quick campaign and I'll make all this money. Mm -hmm. But my experience has been is that successful campaigns take a lot longer. And you kind of have to have as much gray hair as I do sometimes to realize that it's the long game you should be playing. Yep. It's not your first tweet. It's your 100th tweet or more likely your 8,000th tweet that actually starts where people like, He's always talking about WordPress. I guess he knows a little bit about it. So it, it's that showing up consistently, that's really been the success of Agents of Change is that week in, week out grind sometimes of creating content for people and really not even saying you have to use us for business, just we're putting that content out there. I, you know, it's funny because this is like the second, are you, are you spying on my emails? Because I was like, my third email today was someone was like, oh, you know, we we're making some YouTube videos and they made, you know, 10 interview style YouTube videos and they're, you know, they're sitting there analyzing them. They've been sitting on the shelf for six months and I'm like, you're going to be 50, you need to be 50 episodes in, 50 videos in before you're really analyzing this. 10 is not going to do anything for you um and like you said you know it's like it was i think i was like 30 episodes in before i was actually comfortable with doing the podcast and uh, absolutely and every very few people ever have success right out of the gates it always comes from putting that in day in and day out and i'll be honest the content that i've been most successful with was not the content that i'm like i'm going to make a big splash here it was more like i love to write so i'm going to start blogging um, I love interviewing people and learning from people and talking to people. So I'm going to start a podcast. Like it wasn't like, how am I going to quickly turn this around into business? It was more like real life where you network and you get to meet people. And at some point down the road, the long game, somebody's like, Oh, you do that. I actually need some help with that. And suddenly you're doing business and you know, I'm sure you're, you're the same way. So you get that lead in and you always ask the question, how did you hear of us? And more so often I hear, oh, well, I went to the Agents of Change conference in 2015, but I only now need a website or search engine optimization or whatever it is. So it is very much showing up and continually putting out the podcast or putting out the conference or whatever it is that you want to do, but just always showing up because it, it's that consistency and the commitment. That's what people are like, I can trust this person. And that's why new websites don't do as well at Google as old websites, because you have to build up that trust. Exactly. And I mean, in Google, that's why I always tell people is like, just imagine what Google's trying to do and don't try and play any games because, you know, just feed the Google machine, make Google happy and you will succeed. But it has to be the long game because anyone that takes a shortcut is going to get knocked down by Google. Um, and uh, so, you know, speaking of, you know, you guys do PPC, SEO, uh, search, uh, not really social. Um, you've had some successes. Can we talk about a few of those and like some, maybe some of the bi like bigger companies that you've worked with and what you're seeing as the trend? So one of the things, uh, well, for example, we were talking about before. So there's an aviation company, CNL Aviation, up here. They do a lot of refurbishing of bigger airplanes, and it's a very complex sales process. And they had Google Analytics or Google Ads set up, and they were running them, and they were getting a few leads with them, but they were feeling like they hadn't really kind of gotten what they should be getting out of them. And the leads that were going to sales weren't as good as they should be. Um, and here's another guy who I've known, <clears throat> networked with for years. He's come to every single one of my conferences and beginning of, I want to say, end of 2019, beginning of 2020, which is not a great time for the airline industry, 
calls me up and says, can you help me with some of this? And we ended up taking over their paid search and some of their SEO because there were a lot of pages that just, it was a huge website, it was a mess, somebody needed to go through it. And from the work that we did with them, we found immediate positive results in their paid search because it was already going on. They already had data that they were collecting. And so we were immediately able to find some opportunities to kind of get rid of some bad campaigns, double down on ones that were working, changing out some keywords, adding some negative keywords, and their customer acquisition costs dropped. And from what I've heard from him is that the leads that they're handing off to the sales teams are much warmer than they were before, and they're much they're closing much faster, which is great. Um, and also, they're starting to see that they're ranking for a lot more keywords because we started to reorganize the website, and we found content that was like in one place, and it should have been in another, or it should have been connected. So making those kind of connections... But again, this is just like the second year or entering the third year of this arrangement, and it takes time. And he at least was savvy enough to realize that we weren't going to change things overnight. We were able to bring down their acquisition costs almost immediately, but every month we've continued to make improvements on that. And, and I think that's really the success story, that it's not an overnight success. I, and I, th I think that's an important, important theme of running the marathon of marketing, because we see way too many people pushing the overnight success story. And when that doesn't work, it, it not only costs you time and money, but it costs you the additional time of starting all over, doesn't it? Like it's because there's always that ramp up period with the ever new marketing campaign, et cetera. Right. Yeah. And I think it, from an agency standpoint, the best thing you can do if you're going to be in this game for a while is to manage expectations right out of the gate. So where we used to say, oh, yeah, you know, with Google Ads, you can start putting money down today and you could see results today, this afternoon, which admittedly is true, but unlikely. And so these days we tell people, look, we really want to set up a year long engagement with you. We're willing to go down to six months, but you need to be aware that the first three months is really about data gathering more than it is about making sales. Any sales we make during that time is gravy, but you have to be ready for us to, well, can we then reduce the cost for those three months? Well, yes, but then it's going to take four or five months to get that data. So it, it's not a game we can play like that. If you want to throw more money at it, we'll find out those answers sooner. But, you know, based on your budget, here's where we are. And I think... For us, one of the things that I keep on reiterating to my team, and they're totally buying into this, is you come at the, you come at them proactively, although I hate that word, with new ideas and suggestions. Because one of the things I hear from companies all the time is our comp our agency never brought us a new idea. Like I would find a new idea, I'd ask them about it, and the next month they'd institute it. So I tell my team every month come up with one idea. I don't care how outlandish it is, but if you can steal an idea from one industry and bring it to this industry and show them why it's worth trying, and be upfront. We think we should try this. Let's throw a few dollars this way, or let's do a blog post on this and see what happens. I think that's really the good approach to do it. And the other thing is you have to be accessible because one of the other complaints that I'm always hearing from, from companies is I can never get in touch with my marketing agency, especially when things aren't going well. Yep. And yeah, that's interesting too. I, you know, I think, I feel like when I don't answer that Saturday 1am text, I feel bad, but 
<laughs> I'm like, I'm just okay, like, but let's talk. <laughs> right. So that's, that's the opposite side of things because I do think you should have your Saturdays off. I will sometimes respond to that, but I do everything in my power not to. And also there's only like three of our clients that know my text number. And it's usually cause we've gone out drinking at some point, <laughs> but every time they text me, especially like late in the afternoon or early evening and they want some answer, I respond via email cause I'm training them. Like if it's a business thing, here's my email. I don't know. I don't know who else is doing this, but I don't put my uh, cell phone number on my business cards, and people always give me a hard time about it. But I'm like, look, there's 1,200 ways to get in touch with me. Yeah, my cell phone is my own. So no, that makes sense. That uh, that makes complete sense. I don't even have business cards anymore. I'd lose stuff. So <laughs> we just came. We right before COVID, we had these beautiful uh, cards printed up, gorgeous, great stock, and I'm like, when am I going to be able to hand these? <laughs> I, oh, I've been anti-business card for a long, long time. I, because I, I'm like, no one ever, unless you do them awesome, and something different, no one ever is gonna pay attention to them or remember them. And uh, which you guys did to a degree, but uh, I think I think if you have a really nice business card, especially if you're in design and branding, which we are. The card, especially because we put spent extra money, so there's a nice weight to it. There's a great feel to it. Two sides. I'm not saying it's going to change the world, but it does feel better than other people's business cards and it's on brand and it's just another place where people can be like, oh yeah, I, I recognize, I, I've seen your sign. I've driven down Commercial Street. I saw your sign in the window. That's awesome. Or I ate at Jay's Oyster Bar. I hear this all the time. I was at Joy, Jay's Oyster Bar and I looked up and there's your logo. Do you know why? I'm like, because those are our offices. And then I usually give them a hard time for not knocking on our door and inviting me to go eat with them over at Jay's. <laughs> Well, I'm going to definitely be knocking on your door in a few months. And, and I hope so. I, I hope so. <laughs> um, this is awesome. This is awesome. Rich, thank you so much. Um, you know, before we get going too, you know, when you, we do a lot with video, what do you see working right now with video? All right. Um, as long as people promise not to steal this idea, I'll share this. Um, the best thing that we're doing with video right now is we're putting it in our proposals. And I know that sounds really strange, like, but shouldn't you be on TikTok? Shouldn't you be doing YouTube? We actually are. We made a commitment at the end of last year. I bought a bunch of really nice equipment uh, for my team, my marketing team, to experiment with and try new things. And we're going to be doing more videos for all of our social promotions and everything. But um, after I write up a proposal, which we put into a special formulated page in WordPress, I just record a video. And, you know, I'd be like... Ian, uh, thanks so much for your time the other day and access to your Google Analytics. Uh, here's what I found and here's why I think we should do this, that, and the other thing. you find all the details down below. Now, this was probably even going to be more value before we jumped on a Zoom call for every single thing, you know, when I was just doing all of this by phone. But people have told me, they're like, what kind of software is that? Like, that's amazing. So I just think that you should be using video as much as possible in formats where people are able to view it and watch it. And, and so using it in proposals, most people don't think about that. Um, I know there's a product out there called like BombBomb, I, I think, where you can send videos through emails and stuff like that. So that's a, but just use videos to make that human connection. So it's not scalable. But if you're asking me where I think video is really strong these days, it's in these surprise moments that people weren't expecting it. And just as a side note, whenever I see, um, and I don't go on Facebook as much maybe as a digital agency owner should, but whenever I go on Facebook and I see like, oh, it's so-and-so's birthday, rather than just get on their page and wish them a happy birthday that they're never going to see because they got 100 or 200 that day, I just, if I have their cell phone number, 
I make a little video and I say, hey, listen, I heard it was your birthday today. I say something personal to them. I send it off to them. People tell me all the time that it was like the highlight of their day. So surprise people with video. Find non-scalable ways to use it to connect with people, especially when you can't go see them in real life. So such great advice. It is such great advice. And, I, you know, everyone wants to scale video. And like you said, I mean, well, we did. We had PandaDoc on and they they increased proposal acceptance rate. 32% across millions of proposals by adding video onto the proposals. So 32%, I mean, a 32% raise in your business. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I know. It takes more time to do them, but honestly, like, it's not like I'm doing 27 proposals a day anyways. I'm doing, you know, two proposals a week. I certainly can spend 15 to 30 minutes to create a little introductory video, put it up to Vimeo, and embed it back in my uh, proposal so that people can see. Yes, that is great, great advice. Well, Rich, this has been a lot of fun. We'll make sure to put a link to the Agents of Change podcast, uh, to Flight New Media. Um, we'll put a link to Jay's Oyster Bar. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the Garlic Marketing Show. Absolutely pleasure. Uh, thank you so much, and I'll see you when you come up to Portland. Oh, 100%. And thank you all for taking Rich and I on your journey. This has been Iron Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. Video. You know it will make you an authority you know it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook.